This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Kamaregal people of the Gurungai tribe of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging, and I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may be listening. Hi, my name's Luan and this is the Rewritten Mead podcast, where I talk all things breast reconstruction after a mastectomy. Because let's say it like it is, having a mastectomy can be devastating. Sifting through all the information is overwhelming, the medical jargon's bamboozling, and it can be just plain scary and lonely. But you're not alone. That's why we're here. On the Rewritten Me pod, I talk to leading surgeons about all aspects of reconstruction. Nipples, belly buttons, foobs, Dieppe flap, and staying flat. I also talk to healthcare professionals who can help with everyday practical advice to support your mental, physical and emotional well-being. And I talk to the wonderful women from our reconstruction community who so generously share their stories with you. We're all here to help you make an holistic, informed decision that's right for you so that you can have a say in how you rewrite your story. Hi everyone and welcome back to Rewritten Me, Australia's independent podcast about reconstruction after a mastectomy. In the first episode of the series, we heard about Dieppe strategies or approaches. Dieppe flap reconstruction, where tissue is taken from the tummy and used to reconstruct a breast or breasts, is one of the most often performed autologous reconstructions in Australia. But there are other types of own tissue reconstruction that are less commonly performed, but may be more appropriate for someone considering their reconstruction options. And that's what we'll be talking about today with Dr. Bish Solomon, the different types of own tissue or flap reconstructions, so that you can make an informed decision about what's right for you. This type of reconstruction is highly specialized, so I'm thrilled that Bish is my guest today. Bish is an internationally trained specialist plastic and reconstructive surgeon. He specialises in complex microsurgical reconstruction, such as autologous or own tissue breast reconstruction. His philosophy is centred on integrity, patient safety, and the implementation of forward-thinking surgical techniques to ensure the best possible outcome for his patients. But Bish also thinks about the patient experience outside of the surgical side of things. Considering all that Bish does, what I'm going to mention now seems like a small thing, but it can make a big difference to the patient experience. When he launched his new website recently, I was so excited because it included an information sheet about Dieppe flap reconstruction. That sheet outlines what you can expect from pre-admission, the days leading up to going in hospital, what happens in hospital, and in the days and weeks after. Now, obviously, that's a generalization because everybody's different, but even simple tips like wearing a singlet under your abdominal binder to make it more comfortable helps a lot. And I was desperate for information like that when I had my Dieppe. But it really shows how Bish holistically thinks about the patient experience. So I'm so happy to welcome Bish today. Hi, Bish. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm very excited. Oh, me too. I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you so much. How's your day been? It's been good, thank you. Yeah, yeah it's been good. Yeah, operate this morning and then rooms this afternoon. So okay, a busy one. Yeah. So thanks again, Bish, for joining. Uh, as I said, we're going to be talking about own tissue or autologous reconstruction. Now I always pronounce it autologous, but I've noticed I think I'm saying it wrong, and it's an autologous reconstruction. So let's delve deep into some of those 
phrases before we talk about the different types. What does autologous mean? Autologous just means using your own tissue. So whether that's, um, you know, your belly, such as a DF flap, or whether it's using a different or a second line flap, it's just using your own tissue and not using a breast implant. Okay, thank you. So flap, we hear of DF flap, like you just mentioned mm -hmm. there, and you're talking about a flap of tissue. Mm -hmm. What do we need to make that flap of tissue usable or viable? I don't know what term you'd use, but what, what needs to be within that flap so it can be used for a reconstruction? Absolutely. So a flap is a piece of tissue with its own blood supply. So it can be skin, fat, muscle, uh, but it has to have blood supply with it. So for a deer flap, for example, that's using the skin and the fat around your belly with the blood supply, which is a deep inferior epigastric, which is the name of the deer. Or if it's a second line flap, like the tug flap, which is using your inner thigh, that's using skin of your inner thigh, the gracilis muscle, and then it's associated blood supply. So a flap is any piece of, piece of tissue that comes with a blood supply. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks. And we hear a couple of terms around flap as well. So we hear the term free flap. What does free flap mean in relation to that? So a free flap is a flap that's then disconnected from your body and re-implanted. So it's like a mini transplant to another area. So for example, using the DF example again, it's using your skin, fat and blood vessels. So the flap around your tummy disconnecting it from yourself and then uh, reconnecting it using other blood vessels. So for a deep flap, we reconnect it to the internal mammary vessels, which are the vessels uh, around your chest wall. And that's why it's called a free flap because it's free from you and it's reconnected to you. Okay. And then there's a pedicle flap, isn't there? It's the same flap of tissue, but it's not disconnected. It's just advanced or moved in a direction to cover a defect. So we'll later talk about using latissimus dorsi flap, which is using a large muscle from your back with its own blood supply, which we don't disconnect or make free. We just move it to reconstruct the chest wall. And we are able to do that because it's in your back and we're able to move it to the front of your chest. Okay. Okay. Um, it's, it, it doesn't sound you've got free flap and then non-free flap, but they call it a pedicle Correct. flap. <laughs> Yeah, correct, okay. correct, correct. So they're both flaps, <laughs> yeah. whether it's disconnected or not, is whether it's based a free or not a pedicle flap. Okay. And we also hear some terms that I was really interested to understand if they're the kind of same thing or they're not. And it's we hear the terms artery and perforator and blood vessel when we're talking about um, flap reconstruction or own tissue mm -hmm. reconstruction. Are they all the same thing? Very similar. So the main blood vessel or the DEP blood vessel is got artery and vein and it's called the blood vessel or the pedicle. And then off the main blood vessel comes smaller blood vessels and they're called the perforators. So when you get a CT scan looking at the blood vessels in your tummy, we're looking at the main blood vessels, so the deep inferior epigastric artery and vein, the main ones. But we're also looking at the branches that come off that, which are called the perforators. So back in the day, we were doing tram flaps where we weren't looking for perforators. We were just looking at the main blood vessels, the deep blood vessels, and knowing that they're within the muscle, we're going to find them. Whereas now where we leave the muscle behind, 
we now need to base it on those perforators, which is why we get a CT scan to see where those perforators are. And we can then chase those perforators through the muscle to reach to the main blood vessel and then chase the blood vessel down to the groin. So a perforator is just a small blood vessel that comes off the main blood vessel, in essence. Cool. Great. Thank you. And that's where the microsurgery part of the surgery comes in, isn't it? When you're saying you're talking about the connection and that's why it's so specialized, the surgery that you do, Correct. isn't it? That's right. That's right. So we use a microscope to make sure that we provide a patent artery and a patent vein to ensure viability of the flap. Okay. So there's some of the terms that we have around that that people might hear when they're talking about those kind of different flap own tissue autologous reconstruction options. And you mentioned some of those types of them, but let's talk about them maybe in a bit more in a bit more detail. And you mentioned one there, which is the tug flap reconstruction. Mm -hmm. So let's mm -hmm. talk about that in a bit more detail because you talked there about the muscle being involved in that particular yes. procedure. Yes. So TUG stands for transverse upper gracilis flap. So what it is, is the skin and the fats of the inner thigh based on a blood vessel, which runs through the gracilis muscle. So you've got the skin and the fat on the outside, you've got the gracilis muscle in the middle, and you've got the blood vessel underneath. So the gracilis muscle is a muscle on your inner thigh that allows you to bring your legs together. Mm -hmm. It's one of many muscles that allow you to bring your legs together so you don't lose much strength unless you're a you know, professional motorbike rider uh, or a professional you know, horse rider. Mm -hmm. um, you don't lose um, appreciable strength of bringing your thighs together. Um, so we can base a flap of tissue, so the skin, the fat, and the blood vessels based on those blood, based on, um, those blood vessels to give you a breast reconstruction. So that's where the tug flap comes from. Um, it's different to a DF flap in that the volume of tissue that we can get from it is not a huge amount. You can get between three and 400 grams, uh, whereas with a DF flap you can get, depending on the size of the abdomen, four, five, six hundred grams quite easily. Okay. And does there have, there's a difference in the type of uh the type that that tissue is, isn't it? I understand like the tissue around the abdomen for Dieppe might be a bit closer to what the breast um, tissue may feel like, to, but tug, yeah. Correct. The, the, the tug um, fat is different quality to the fat around your tummy. And now that we do Dieppe flaps where we don't take any muscle, uh, your tug flap will initially uh, look larger with the muscle under it. But as that muscle atrophies or withers away because it's got no connections and it's got no nerve supply, then your reconstruction actually deflates and becomes smaller with time. Okay. I didn't know that. I hadn't heard mm. about that before. Yeah, so the muscle gives you about 50 to 100 grams of volume, which you know will wither away and you'll lose about 50% of that just because there's no origin insertion, the muscle's not pulling on anything, and the nerve's not no longer connected. Okay, so if somebody woke up and their breast was larger than what they were hoping for, if they've had tug, then that's something to talk to their surgeon Correct. about. Yeah, it's important to tell them that they, it's artificially larger, but yeah. with time that that muscle will atrophy or wither away and uh, the reconstruction will actually be slightly smaller than, than, than initially. Wow, okay. Yeah. 
And um, you mentioned the CT scan there when you were talking about Dieppe as an example and you were talking about the blood vessels there and looking for the perforators. Um, is a CT scan done for like a tug beforehand? A CT scan is not necessary for a tug flap. Okay. We're not actually looking for those perforators. We just take a good quality um, a good, a portion of skin and fat over the muscle, mm. knowing that the blood vessels are within it. You can use a handheld Doppler um, preoperatively just to listen for those blood vessels, mm. um, but a CT scan is not necessary. Okay. And what's a Doppler then? Oh, yeah. A Doppler is um, – I'll show you. I've got one in my bag. Have you? It might not translate on a podcast. No. So this is a Doppler. Um, it just allows you to listen to blood vessels. Anybody that's had a DF flap will know that uh, we listen to the blood vessels every hour to make sure the flap's alive. This is a Doppler. You just listen for the blood vessels and tells you where they are. And they can, you can hear it using radio frequency under the skin. So that's a Doppler that's used, and I'm familiar with that after your surgery as an hourly wake up to yes, check absolutely it's like a little heartbeat it is i always thought it was like my baby foob my little baby boob heartbeat right. yeah Correct. i welcomed Correct. it um Correct. so a doppler can be used um before a tug just to, to if you want to identify correct to make sure the blood vessels are within it okay thank you and i came across a term as well when i was looking at tug which was dug flap so mm -hmm. diagonal upper gracilis is that mm -hmm. something that's commonly performed so a dug um i guess the reason why it's used it's still the skin the fats and the muscle um all three with a blood vessel um the reason why a dug is used is because with a tug the skin the incision runs quite close uh to the inner thigh mm -hmm. and sometimes you can get like wound dehiscence and wound issues Whereas a dug flap uh, is more diagonal, uh, so it's easier on the wound. It doesn't give you the splay of the uh, sort of vaginal area either, mm -hmm. and it gives you uh, the, the thickest part of the thigh um, uh, for the reconstruction. So you get a slightly thicker reconstruction. Um, but most people would use a tug flap now, just because mm -hmm. you know in Australia we like to wear um, bathers and things just from our hot weather and. Yeah. Uh, tug flap gives you a more hidden scar right yeah but i know as you mentioned there with a the tug i've i've got a couple of people um that i know who've had tug and that recovery from it particularly because yes. you're moving a lot but you you, you know right. you're using your legs all the time aren't you right. it was quite right. tough for them it, no it is it is uh, the other thing is when we close uh the donor site from a tug flap, uh, we need to make sure we stitch it well and stop it from splaying um, the sort of the vaginal perineal area um, so that we usually secure it to the deep fascia or the deep thick um, layers, yeah. which can be quite painful as well. Yeah. As well as, you know, it's an area where, you know, your legs are together, um, you know, it's, it's a moist area and inevitably the wounds always have, you know, struggle and just needed dressings to get through yeah so a bit more of a tougher recovery or healing correct. yeah correct correct yeah. okay so that's the tug and dug there's also the pap flap which i think you wanted to speak about as well yeah <clears throat> that is the skin and the fat of the inner thigh but without the gracilis muscle so you leave the muscle behind and you just dissect out the blood vessels um so it's a, it's a new flap. It's not something that's been around for a long period of time, um, but it's definitely something that can be done. The scar is um, not up and down, but it's a longitudinal scar, but it's quite it's hidden quite 
around the back of the thigh. And it's definitely something that uh, you could speak to your surgeon about and they can look to see whether you store your extra fat in your thighs or whether it's your lower back or where, where it is. Mm-hmm. But it's also it's it's an option and it's an option where you don't lose the muscle. Okay. It's just purely like a deep flap, skin and fat. Okay, great. So that's that's the pap there. Correct. And then we have the lap, don't we? Correct. So the lap is a lumbar artery flap. And that is the skin and the fat of your lower back. So it's usually um, a second line option for patients who have had a DEP or a TRAM who have unfortunately lost their reconstruction, or it's uh, for somebody who's had an abdominoplasty. So more and more common, a tummy tuck these days. Um, so I see you know, a patient every month who's had a tummy tuck who requires some sort of breast reconstruction. And so then I'd speak to them about using a lumbar artery a perforator flap. Um, it's based on the lumbar blood vessels, which are the blood vessels that come uh, below your rib cage. And the scar goes from the middle of your back and it joins the front um, scar, which is your tummy tuck scar. Um, that flap is based on the skin, the fat, and blood vessels, no muscles taken through that flap. The technically challenging part of that flap is that the blood vessel or the, the, the pedicle that you get is quite short. It's only about four to five centimetres in length. Mm-hmm. And so you need to... Uh, use other blood vessels to give you a longer pedicle. So that's when uh, the DEA blood vessels um, can be used as a cable graft to give you a longer length of vessel. The other issue with a lumbar artery is that it's taken from your back. Mm. So it requires a position change during surgery. So often the steps would be a general anesthetic where you're laying on your back. Mm. The breast surgeon will do the mastectomy. I will open your previous DEP um, or tummy tuck incision and harvest just the blood vessels, your DEP blood vessels, mm-hmm. no skin and fat, just the blood vessels. We'll then flip you on your front and harvest the flap from your lower back. While one team is closing the lower back, I will then, on a back table, stitch the blood vessels to the skin and the fat. And then once the back's closed, we flip you back and then do the microsurgery to your chest wall. So it does take position changes, mm-hmm. um, but the, the good advantages of the flap are that it gives you a nice reconstruction that mm. looks, looks aesthetically pleasing. Mm. It's skin and fat. It's, um, it gives you a bit of a buttock lift because we're taking the fat just above that mm. and the skin above that, so it gives you a buttock lift as well. Um, so there's sort of the advantages as to why um, the lumbar artery flap is a good flap to use. Okay. And some patients just store their fat on their lower back and not in their inner thighs. Yeah, yeah. And is that kind of like the love handle area? It's a love handle area, correct, yes. <laughs> so, so most tummy tucks sort of finish around there. Yeah. Um, and this is just the completion going around. Okay. And um, with that, with the, with the position changing that's happening there, and also as you said, you need to to graft onto the DEP um, yes. artery. Does that mean that this particular surgery is a bit quite a bit longer? Yes. So uh, one side surgery uh, would start about eight o'clock in the morning and would be finished by about two thirty or three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, and that's for single. For a single side, whereas a DEP flap, you know, be done by midday at the latest. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it adds 
that two and a half to three hours. Okay. And I guess I, I'm thinking about the recovery again as well. That could be yes. a bit of a challenging recovery because um, we talk a lot for Dieppe how when you're recovering from that, you know, it's very much about at least you're reclining and there's lots of talk Absolutely. about recliners and cushions, but that's a challenge then, isn't it? Because you've got absolutely. the donor site at the back and then the breast at the front where you've had reconstruction. Yes, absolutely. So um, the pain's usually around the back um, and obviously at the breast. Um, the recovery is more difficult than a Dieppe flap uh, recovery, um, but it's um, easier, I would say, than a tug flap recovery mm. uh, from what patients have reported. Okay. So is this a relatively new procedure, Bish? It, it is. It is. It's a procedure that's not done um, a lot. Um, there's only a few big centres around the world that do it. Um, I learnt it when I was away in Canada and uh, the guy that I did my fellowship with, Professor Michelle, um, has done many hundreds of these flaps. Uh, there's another uh, guy in, in the US that's done you know, many hundreds of these flaps um, in the last sort of four or five years. Um, I've done you know, five to ten um, in, since I've been back and about ten away uh, with good success so far with no losses or anything like that. Um, it is a stressful operation, um, but I think it's a rewarding operation and, you know, I think it's a better option than doing other flaps for some patients. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just saw a patient literally at 4.30 today who has had a implant-based reconstruction uh, and a previous tummy tuck. She had radiotherapy and her implant's about to extrude and we spoke about uh, doing a lumbar artery uh, perforated flap and I spoke to her about the recovery and mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's not without risk. You know, DFLAP, I tell patients the risk of loss is less than 1%. Mm. Uh, with this, I'd say it's more around the 5 to 10%, and it's only because we're having to use grafts and other things. Um, but in saying that, um, you know, I've done you know, nearly 10 of these without any issues. And, yeah. You know, we'll yeah, good. Great to have those different options there as well, yeah. isn't there? I think so. I think I think it's important to be able to provide patients with a whole host of different reconstructive options, and you know, ultimately they're the boss and they make the decision. Um, but I think if you give them all the options, and they can, you know, make that decision themselves. Yeah, yeah, I like that. We're the boss. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can I just go back to something that you mentioned there about the patient that you saw today, who had the implants and radiotherapy, and you said extrude. Is that right? Yes. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, extrude means. Um, so the implant sits on the chest wall um, and then the radiation over the top of it um, is, acts like shrink wrap. Mm. Um, and some patients get bad radiation damage, some patients don't. It's mm. just one of those things that happen. Um, and the implant's got nowhere to go because it's being held by the ribs. Um, and then as the skin contracts or shrinks over the top of the implant, it, the implant will eventually um, come out through the skin doesn't happen to everyone it's something that can happen small percentage of patients but when it does happen it's a problem mm-hmm. and so you know a breast surgeon will refer the patient to you and say is there something you can um, convert to an autologous reconstruction because autologous does well under radiated skin because it's got blood supply whereas an implant mm-hmm. does not mm-hmm. which is the whole point of a flap it brings its blood supply with it yeah yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. I'd never heard of that term yeah. before. I've heard of a capsular uh, contraction happening after radiotherapy, but I hadn't heard of that term. So thanks, Bish. Oh, no problem. 
So another flap, type of flap that we hear of is the Latimus Dorsi flap and LD. Mm -hmm. what's, what's that? So the Latissimus Dorsi muscle is um, the biggest muscle in the body. It's your back muscle or your um, the muscle around the back. It allows you to do overhead activities. So if you're a rock climber, you, you, you use your lats or your latissimus muscle a lot. Um, so sometimes the latissimus muscle, as well as the skin and the fat over the top of it, can be used to reconstruct the breast. This is a pedicled or a local flap. It's not a free flap. So the muscle is raised off your back and it's then tunneled to the front to reconstruct the breast. Um, the advantages are that it's relatively quick, safe, um, an easy flap to raise uh, and gets you out of trouble. And I've definitely done it. And it definitely gets you out of trouble uh, when you need to. The disadvantage is that you're taking the biggest muscle in the back um, and patients experience, um, you know, when they're doing overhead activities, they tire quickly. Um, so that's sort of the one thing that I would say. Um, so patients who, you know, do a lot of um, rock climbing or very active canoeing, sports, all those things, uh, I wouldn't advise them using latissimus muscle. In some instances, it just needs to be used um, when they don't have other options. But it's definitely an option that can be used. Um, there is also another option where you can use the blood vessel or the skin, the fat, without taking the muscle. It's called a Tdap flap, um, where it's the same blood vessel as latissimus flap, but it leaves latissimus muscle behind and it just uses the skin and the fat over the top of it. Um, but the reconstruction that you can do with that is a much smaller reconstruction, usually just for a partial breast reconstruction or something that needs a bit of skin and fat and you pop an implant underneath it. So latissimus muscle is usually used where it's covering an implant because the muscle itself, like I said about the gracilis, atrophies mm. um, and you're just left with the skin and the fat over the top of it. So it's usually used in conjunction with an implant. Okay, in conjunction with that. So again, that's coming down to that individualized uh, reconstruction uh, options, isn't it? And having those conversations with your surgeon about what it is that you do in your pastime and what it is that's important to you. Yes. This is why taking a patient history is extremely important. Um, and I do like to talk about social history quite a bit. Yeah. Um, just see, like, you know, who you live with, who your social supports are. You know, once we do this massive operation on you, who are you going to go home to, you know? And as well as, you know, uh, other things like what do you do for hobbies? Because mm. I think that's important when planning a patient's reconstruction. Yeah. Yeah, it is great. And it's really important to have that holistic view, which I know that you, you Absolutely. do. Yeah. Like I, I had a patient the other day who said, oh, you know, my abs are really important and I don't want any risk of abdominal bulge. Mm. I said, okay, well, you're having one side done. Let's get a CT scan, see if a laparoscopic d is a good option for you and I did a laparoscopic dip for her and, you know, it all went really well and, um, you know, still see how she goes. But, you know, I think it's important to listen to your patients and just tailor the operation. It's called a, be it's a bespoke operation, right? You know, mm. you tailor the operation. You've got like five or six different operations you can do for them. Yes, the diaplaps probably the best in terms of donor site and recovery, but there are even different types of diaplaps you can do. So I think it's important to really listen to them and give them the best options. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm so pleased that you mentioned laparoscopic Dieppe then, because yes. we're probably not going to talk about it now, but yeah, maybe sure, we'll sure. talk about it on a future pod. 
absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Very excited about about that. Um, but yeah, bespoke surgery. So please, listeners, do have those conversations and feel comfortable to have the conversations with your surgeons. As Bish said, you know, tell them what's important to you. And um, we've talked about this before, but tell them about your your hopes and your dreams are for your reconstruction. It may or may not be possible, but have that conversation. Absolutely, I think I think it's important. Yeah. And Bish, can I ask you about the muscles there that you were talking about with regards to the tug, but also the latimus dorsi? So if the muscle's been re- removed from the donor site, can mm-hmm. that then be built built up again or is it lost forever or what happens there? The muscle's lost forever. Right. Once the latissimus dorsi muscle or the gracilis muscle is removed mm-hmm. um, from where its origins and insertions, where it attaches, yeah. Um, it doesn't grow back or anything like that. You just lose that um, portion of muscle forever. Um, for, for a gracilis, you can still bring your legs together. You've got other muscles that take over the action. Mm-hmm. For a latissimus dorsi muscle, there's another muscle just above it called your teres major muscle, which hypertrophies or gets larger mm-hmm. and takes on its action. So you don't lose any shoulder mobility, but you just get tired more mm-hmm. quickly doing overhead activities. Okay, so you could work with somebody as part of your rehab there to to look at building up those muscles that can take up the slack. Correct, absolutely. Thank you. Um, So there's one more to mention, and I think this may be um, a little known flap reconstruction, the gap flap. Yes, so there's the um, S gap or I gap. So it's just name of blood vessels we use, but it's pretty much using skin and fat around your buttocks. Um, to reconstruct it. So an S-gap is using the superior uh, blood vessel, the upper blood vessel. Um, the problem with this flap is patients come in and say they want a bigger bottom, a more projected bottom. They want you know, a Brazilian butt lift. An S-gap flap or an I-gap flap flattens the bottom. Mm. So it's not a great option. Um, it's a difficult recovery the dissection is difficult because the blood vessels are stuck within the muscle um, and you don't get a huge volume of skin and fat. So people have moved away from doing that. Um, certainly where uh, I went and did my fellowship, uh, tra- extra training overseas and the big American units are not doing them anymore. Mm-hmm. They're doing lumbar arteries or tug flaps. Um, a lumbar artery accentuates your curves and gives you more uh, slimmed waistline and you know it does what patients come in for for aesthetics mm. whereas an s gap or an i gap or the gap flaps flattens the buttocks and really doesn't give you um that nice accentuated look so people don't really do them anymore okay okay great great a great roundup there um I say roundup as if there wasn't detail in it, but there was detail, Bish. Thank you so much. That's a, But it's a good, when I say roundup, I know it's a lot more um, involved and, and complex than what we've covered here for our listeners. But that's all we need to know to start the conversation off with our surgeons. So thank you so much, Bish. My pleasure. I think, I think it's important to know that there are other options. Uh, and if you go and see a surgeon and say, oh, look, I don't think you're a candidate for a DF flap, you should definitely ask about these second line options. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's important to be informed, read about them and very happy for you to ask any questions or, you know, email my office and happy to talk about it. Great, Bish. Thank you. Thanks so much. Great to talk to you and yeah, drop Bish a line if you want to inquire about any of those second line options. So Bish, Rewritten Me is called that because of a song. 
that helped get me through my cancer diagnosis and my surgeries. And I explain that in the pre-launch episode if anyone wants to check that out. And at the end of each episode, I now ask guests to share a lyric or a line from a song or poem that they'd like to share with listeners. So Vish, what would you like to share with listeners today? So uh, I'd like to share uh, the song uh, How Far We've Come by um, Matchbox 20. I think, um, you know, modern medicine is a wonderful thing and I think we've really come far from, you know, tram-flat reconstruction to DEPS and now to these new sort of second-line lumbar artery flaps. We continuously try and push the envelope and I think it's important to always try and push the envelope for our patients and give them the best sort of outcome and the you know the least morbidity possible. Um, I think also patients have really come, you know, it's it's for patients as well, you know, from their first diagnosis of you know cancer to their final reconstruction. It's a long journey. They've really you know for them they've come a long way as well. And so I think that sort of song sums up you know how far we've come as doctors and medical professionals as well for patients as well so that's my song thanks bish thanks for being a guest today and talking about you know quite a lot really all in one in one little pod there about the different types of flaps reconstruction those second line reconstructions um that people can talk to their surgeons about um Yeah, thank you so much. I know you've had such a busy day. It's the end of the day here in uh, Sydney. Thanks again, Vish. My pleasure. And thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're you're so welcome. Yeah, hopefully thinking about those new advances. Hopefully we can talk about laparoscopic DF for some time. I know that's the second time I've asked, but, you know, if I ask on air... Anytime, anytime. (laughs) And thank you to listeners, as always, for listening to Rewrit and Me. As I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, Rewritten Me is an independent patients advocate initiative. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do follow, rate, share, like and subscribe. And as always, let me know if there's any topics that you'd like me to cover. And that just leaves me to say, as always, thanks everyone and bye everyone. Thank you for listening to the Rewritten Me podcast, produced on the traditional lands of the Kamaray Gal people of the Gurungai tribe of the Eora Nation. If you found any of the content upsetting, please reach out and get help. Breast Cancer Network Australia have a free confidential helpline, 1800 500 258. And Beyond Blue have a range of free resources online at beyondblue.org.au. Or you can call them on 1300 224 636. And a reminder that the information in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. For personalised medical advice, you should seek a consult with a FRAX qualified surgeon or an equally qualified surgeon in your country.